Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Join My League Football Podcast. This week is the return of the Jimmy Conway Award uh, Fantasy Analysis heading into the playoffs week 15 picks, and I respond to a pesky troll of a listener. So stick around, it's going to be fun. Yay! Welcome to the Join My League Football Podcast with your host, Tim Collector. Man, what a weekend, huh? What a weekend. The playoff picture for the NFL is really starting to take shape. Clinching scenarios are in play this weekend uh, for a ton of teams. The Rams and Saints, they've already clinched their divisions, and uh, both of them can clinch a first round bye this weekend if they both win and the Bears lose. Uh, The Chiefs, they've already clinched a playoff spot and can clinch the AFC West with a victory over the Chargers on Thursday night. And the Chiefs can clinch the number one seed in the AFC with a win and a Patriots loss at Pittsburgh. Now, speaking of the Patriots, they can clinch the AFC East division with a win or a tie plus a Dolphins loss. Some of these others are a little out there, but Houston can also clinch the AFC South with a win plus a Colts and Titans loss. Uh, Back to the AFC West, a win over the Chiefs and the Chargers clinch at least the fifth seed in the playoffs. Over in the NFC, you got the Bears. They can clinch the North with a win. The Cowboys can clinch the East with a win or losses by the Eagles and the Redskins. The Seahawks can clinch a berth with a win and can clinch the five seed with a win and a Vikings lost. And that's just the teams who currently sit in playoff position. There's tons of teams on the outside looking in, uh, but they could get in over the next couple of weeks. The Dolphins, the Colts, The Titans, the Browns, Broncos, Bengals, Panthers, Eagles, Redskins, Buccaneers, Giants, Lions, Packers, and Falcons are all still mathematically alive. Now, some need a little more help than others, but that just goes to show you how close these playoff races are, and Week 15 is going to clear a lot of that up. One of my favorite things to do is go on NFL.com and find the playoff generator. Actually, I cannot find it on NFL.com, but if I Google NFL playoff machine or something similar to that, there's going to be a link to an NFL.com page where you can predict the winners of each game over the next three weeks, and that's going to show you, based off of your game predictions, who you think will make the playoffs. It's a cool machine to give you an honest take on uh, what you think will happen if you're realistic about it. Now, if the playoffs started today, in the AFC, we'd have the Chiefs as the one seed, Patriots at the two, and the wildcard games would pit Baltimore at Houston and the Chargers at Pittsburgh. In the NFC, if the playoffs started today, the Saints would have home field, the Rams would be the two, the wildcard games would have Minnesota traveling to Chicago and Seattle heading to Dallas. But I did my own prediction on the NFL playoff predictor or playoff machine or whatever you want to call it. And after picking all of the games over the next three weeks, in my opinion, it shows that I have New England overtaking Kansas City as the one seed. Uh, the Kansas City will remain at two for the bye. Wildcard games Tennessee at Houston and the Chargers at the Ravens. In the NFC, I have the Rams overtaking the Saints as the one. Saints will sit at two, and the Vikings traveling to Dallas to take on the three seeded Cowboys and the Bears hosting Seattle in the other wildcard game. We'll see exactly how things turn out over the next couple of weeks, but one thing is for sure it's never as predictable as it seems. As mentioned before, Week 14 brought tons of action and the results from Week 14 uh, bring a ton more praise and heat than usual because of the time of the year that it is. The Bears have to be considered as one of the biggest winners of the weekend. 
the way that they stifled, or at least the defense, the way the defense stifled the Rams' uh, high-octane offense Sunday night, that was nothing short of impressive. It's a game like that which has people saying that the Rams are a one-and-done in the playoffs and the Bears are truly a threat. And while I do agree that the Bears are a threat, I don't think the Rams should be hanging their heads. This matchup happens in the playoffs. It's not going to be in Chicago elements. And I think that matters. And I think that mattered Sunday night. Because the outcome of the game likely would have been much different if these teams matched up in L.A., Primetime in Chicago, it's cold, it's loud. That, combined with the Bears' suffocating defense, it's going to be hard to score points. And that's why I picked the Bears to win, so long as it was Mitchell Trubisky suiting up at quarterback and not Chase Daniel. I'm not saying the Rams will or would have laid a total beating on the Bears if the game were to take place in L.A., but for a Rams team that's guaranteed eight games in nice weather, plus an additional game in San Francisco, You can't expect them to go out into the cold and put up 40 points. This stuff happens. It's better to lay an egg now than in the playoffs. I think everybody would agree on that. The Rams are going to be fine. And also, the Patriots. The Patriots are going to be fine. And you know what? To segue this a little bit, maybe there's more of a deserving candidate for this week's Jimmy Conway Award. What are you, stupid? The Redskins for choosing to employ Mark Sanchez over Colin Kaepernick. What's the matter with you? Or the Falcons coaching staff for allowing their old hurting kicker to attempt a 53-yard field goal in freezing Green Bay. The fuck is the matter? Honestly, I think the Redskins franchise and the Falcons coaching staff are far more deserving of the Jimmy Conway Award. However, I feel obligated to take advantage of this opportunity to rag on the Patriots for the meltdown on the final play of their game against Miami. The decision to put Rob Gronkowski at safety during the final play made no sense. With seven seconds, Miami is at their own 31-yard line. You cannot expect a 70-yard Hail Mary from Ryan Tannehill. A hook and ladder, a lateral play, is the only option for Miami. So you put Gronk in at safety? At Pitts, a running back, which, you know, they gave to Kenyon Drake. So that Pitts, a running back versus a tight end. No sense whatsoever. And Coach Belichick never messes up like this, so we need to take advantage of putting him on blast before New England inevitably ends up back in the Super Bowl. So Coach B, Bill, Hoodie, I gotta know. What are you, stupid? What's the matter with you? I apologize. What's the matter with you? All right, fantasy football season is winding down, and as long as you have a competent commissioner, your fantasy season ends next weekend at the absolute latest. It's shocking to me to know that some leagues still have their fantasy football final on week 17. Granted, teams with nothing to play for come week 17 and sitting their star players. That whole thing has kind of dwindled down the last few years. But I don't see why you take the risk. Because after week 16, there could be a number of teams entering week 17 with nothing to play for. Why risk it? Anyways, my finals are this weekend. Uh, some people are uh, some people's finals are next weekend, and I'm gonna keep the fantasy talk kind of short this week because chances are, if you're still in play for a championship, you're smart enough that you don't need my help any longer. Next week, I'll likely nix the fantasy football segment unless there's something that you guys want to know. So if you have any questions, don't hesitate to send a message on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, or uh, you can email questions to jmlpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll be sure to answer them next week. Now, one of the reasons I dislike fantasy football so much is the injury bug always tends to hit this time of year. I've avoided it so far. 
as injuries, they took their toll on me earlier in the season. As my top two draft picks went down with hamstring injuries. So if you can take a guess as to who those two guys are, I'll give you a dollar if you're right. But my team got healthy and I'm in the finals. Others aren't so lucky. Others had Melvin Gordon go down. And handcuffing didn't work in this is in in this instance because uh, his backup Austin Eckler he went down too, and now they're both questionable to play heading into Thursday night's key matchup against the Chiefs. Now it's Justin Jackson, who ESPN fantasy experts is the one to target this week in the waiver wire. He's a seventh round rookie, so if both Gordon or Eckler have to miss, you know, picking up Jackson's going to be your best bet. And speaking of Kansas City, running back uh, Damian Williams is an option. Obviously, Kareem Hunt is gone. Spencer Ware got banged up. And now it might be Williams' turn to lead the backfield. He did score twice last week. And for those playing against teams with Kansas City, uh, other Kansas City running backs, blocking them from picking up Damian Williams might be smart. You remember that term that I made up last week? Blocking? Just in case you missed it, last week, maybe you forgot, blocking is the term that I made up to identify your opponent's weakness and address it on your team. In essence, blocking them from improving their team. It works, believe me. Theo Riddick from the Lions, he's got 32 catches over the past six games, and if you need a plug-and-play, you could do a lot worse. You know, and I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm running out of things to talk about fantasy-related. I touched on... Uh, defenses the last several weeks hyping Tennessee as my penciled in starter for the rest of the year. I may look into streaming a Denver defense at home against Cleveland or uh, Atlanta's defense at home against Arizona. Uh, Baltimore at Tampa Bay is a good choice and that's about it. So as I said I'm only touching on fantasy football next week if I receive any questions or unless something brilliant pops into my dome piece that I feel needs to be shared. Again you can send your questions to jmlpodcast at gmail.com or a message the question to the join my league pages on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Hit the like, share, follow, comment buttons while you're at it. But for now get a little serious here. Because throughout the season, I've made little snarky comments aimed in the direction of everyone who balked at the $84 million contract to Kirk Cousins. I believe I did it again last week because one little boy in particular called me out on it. And I don't know this young man, but taking a look at his Instagram, he was obviously neglected and was probably unwanted or unplanned by his parents. But his hillbilly mother couldn't or wouldn't get an abortion now he's my problem. So that's a bit unfair if you ask me. You know what? Life isn't fair sometimes, so I'll take responsibility for you, Johnny boy. And first off, to read straight from Instagram, or should I say try to read straight from Instagram, because it's obvious you've never passed a spelling test in your life. Guy looks about 40 years old, but has the grammar ability of a gerbil. But here goes nothing. How can you, he used the letter U like we're in fucking elementary school, Back, spelled B-A-K, Kirk Cousin, $84,000 contract. This lunatic actually used numerically 84000 So we can just assume he meant $84 million. The Vikings, very original, I've never heard that one before, should have kept Casey Keenum. It's Case, not Casey, by the way. Cousin not Cousins, but Cousin is a choke artist, and he'll never be as good as the good. Goat, I think he meant goat. Aaron Rodgers. Go, Pat, go. Now, let's read this over again in English. 
How can you back Kirk Cousins' $84 million contract? The Vikings should have kept Case Keenum. Cousins is a choke artist and will never be as good as the GOAT, Aaron Rodgers. Go Pack Go. That last part tells me everything I need to know about your life and where you come from. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest of all time. And Go Pack Go. Those are two sayings used by inbred Wisconsinites with a minimum of six missing teeth and at least five other unplanned or unwanted siblings. Each of them equally as retarded. But, and this is the kicker, but there's always one hot sister. I don't understand it. Anyway, allow me to address the Viking situation instead of making fun of hillbillies whose parents don't love them. First of all, Kirk Cousins' contract is absurd. I'll be the first one to tell you it's crazy. And so is every other quarterback's contract. Your boy, Aaron Rodgers, he's getting $33.5 million this season alone. And while the Vikings, I'm sorry, while the Packers aren't mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, the Packers aren't even close to playoff contention at the moment. And Kirk Cousins beat Aaron Rodgers just a couple of weeks ago. Matt Ryan getting $30 million this year, and the Falcons aren't close to playoff contention either. And Cousins is getting $28 million, and the Vikings are currently the sixth seed in the NFC. Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers. Guy's getting $27.5 million this season. Jimmy Garoppolo played in three games this year, and the 49ers are eliminated from playoff contention. And last but not least, Matthew Stafford from the Lions is getting $25 million, and the Lions aren't making the playoffs either. So, Kirk Cousins is the only quarterback out of the top five highest paid quarterbacks who realistically have a shot at making the playoffs. Did we expect more from the Vikings this season? Absolutely. Is Kirk Cousins the one to blame? Absolutely not, for the most part. I think Cousins' pocket awareness needs to improve. Also, while the Vikings had a very average offensive line last season, and they did next to nothing to improve it in the offseason, I don't think anyone expected their offensive line coach to, you know, die before the season started. When one of your coaches dies prior to the start of the season, that might have a small impact on the performance of the position. There's plenty of blame to go around. I'm not blaming this on uh, Tony Sperano dying, you know, in, earlier this year. Play calling has been atrocious for the Vikings all season long, as evident by the firing of offensive coordinator John DeFilippo just a couple of days ago. And I think that, along with the problems on the offensive line, that has been the Vikings' demise this season. Too much pass, not enough run. It's not an excuse, it's a reason. There's a huge difference. There's a big difference in excuse and reason. It's not a cop-out, it's the truth. And regarding the passing situation, sometimes it does take a year for a quarterback and his new teammates and coaches to get acclimated with each other. The Bears did it, the Rams did it, and the Eagles did it too. And the Vikings are going to do it. But back to the run game. Last season, in which the Vikings, they were one game away from a Super Bowl appearance. The Vikings ran the ball 45% of the time last season, good for second in the league. Out goes Pat Shermer, in comes Coach Flip, and that same stat line drops significantly because the Minnesota Vikings now rank 31st in running the football at a 29% clip. They ran the ball 45% of the time last year without Dalvin Cook. And now Cook's back, Cook's healthy, and it's down 16%. It's not like Dalvin Cook hasn't had success running the football when he has been healthy. He hasn't been healthy all year, we all know that. 
But when he has been healthy, he's had, you know, he's had some success. But he hasn't carried the ball more than 16 times all year. How is that, how is that possible? And that's not to say Coach Flip isn't a good coach. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that Flip's going to land a job somewhere this season or next season and be successful. In fact, I'm sure of it. This guy was pegged as the next great offensive mind, the next Sean McVay, if you will. And I believe that, still. But styles clashed for him in Minnesota. You think Sean McVay would be as successful with the wrong team? No, he wouldn't be as successful. He was put in perfect position to succeed with the Rams. If McVay went to Arizona, do you think he would be a Coach of the Year candidate? Probably not. What is the Vikings' strength? Their defense. How do you maintain a good defense? Run the ball, time of possession. Those are the top two things to maintaining a good defense. Your great defense is of no use when the offense is slinging the ball around all the time. Every good or great defense is complemented by the offense's running game, and your running game cannot complement the defense when your star back only gets 12 carries a game. It's a styles clash, and the Vikings did Coach Flip a favor by letting him go. It didn't work. Best of luck to you. And that's not to say the Vikings' problems are now cured, because the main reason behind the firing of Coach Flip was lack of attention to the running game. Now, with that, head coach Mike Zimmer, he sent a message to the rest of the league saying, we're going to run the ball more. That's not in question, and now every single team knows it. Now the players for the Vikings have to produce. From Kirk Cousins to Stephon Diggs to Dalvin Cook, uh, Adam Thielen and the defense and the offensive line, they've got to produce, otherwise Mike Zimmer is going to be the next one to go. If you really think the Vikings would have a better record with Case Keenum at quarterback right now, I cannot help you. And for all this talk of the Vikings and how bad they're doing, let's not act like they're at the bottom of the conference or even their division. I haven't even touched on the Seattle game on Monday Night Football this past week. The game in which you can actually make an argument that the Vikings got screwed. I personally don't think that they got screwed, but I think the argument can be made. That Bobby Wagner flag, no flag on that blocked kick total garbage call. And if the refs kept the penalty intact, which they should have, that totally changes the complex of the entire game. You can tell me that the Vikings had had uh, they had plenty of opportunities in the game to step it up, and I'd have to agree. But at that point, when the refs picked up the flag for a penalty that should have stuck, a first and 10 for the Vikings at Seattle's 14-yard line changes everything. Seattle would not have gotten the ball back at midfield, there wouldn't have been a three and out at midfield. And the Seahawks wouldn't have pinned the Vikings deep the following possession, which led to a Cousins strip fumble recovery for a touchdown for the Hawks. Making the right call on that blocked kick would have changed the, the, the end of that game 100%. There's no way the score would have been 21 to 7. I guarantee you that. You can think otherwise if you want, but either if you do, you're wrong or you're stupid or you're both. But a wise man once said, you are what your record says you are. Well, the Minnesota Vikings are currently 6-6-1, six, six, and one, and they're currently holding down the sixth seed, and they have a very winnable schedule the rest of the way. At home against Miami, at Detroit, home versus Chicago. They control their own destiny, and they could very well win out. And once you win out and you get to the playoffs, miracles can happen. We saw that last year. So I'm going to go ahead right now and chalk up a W for the Vikings this week against Miami. And they'll win big. 
because they're going to be motivated due to the change in coordinator. They're at home where they play a lot better than on the road. And this is a drop in the amount of talent that the Vikings have seen on their schedule over the last two months. They're going to take advantage. Now, next week at Detroit, you know, the Vikings on paper are the far superior team. And they already have a a victory over the Lions earlier this season in which the defense recorded 10 quarterback sacks. However, the Vikings are 3-5 and in Detroit over the last eight years. So I think this is a key game. It could be the one game that derails the Vikings from playoff contention. The Chicago game, it doesn't concern me too much. No disrespect, but the Bears might not be playing for anything in Week 17. And the Vikings have dominated the series in Minnesota as of late. They've won the last six meetings. So I'm going to go on record and say that the Vikings do get into the playoffs. And once they do, as I said, anything can happen. Now, as I said, not all is peachy because they still have other areas of concern. But I've been saying this since the Kirk Cousins signings. The Vikings still have two years to get to the promised land. And if after that, the Vikings still haven't won a Super Bowl, then I'll take all the heat you want to throw my way. Until then, I wish you could just shut your big yapper. All right, time for some picks. Everyone's favorite segment, because I tell you who's going to win this weekend. And if you listen to me, you have some pretty good odds at nailing down some bets. Uh, Pick them if you do those. And actually, somebody brought to my attention recently that survivor pools and confidence pools are obviously a lot bigger than I give them credit for. It doesn't do any good right now, but I think next season, I'm going to incorporate some of those into my weekly picks. As of this season, I'm 118, 70, and 2 on the year total in my pick'em, and 42 and 23 on the show. It's not a bad number. I went 4 and 1 last week. That one, that one loss came uh, from the Texans when they lost to the Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to release this one earlier than usual once again because I do want to get in the Chiefs and Chargers game on Thursday night. I think it's the game of the week heading into week 15, in my opinion. And I have a slight biasness when it comes to this game because I uh, predicted at the beginning of the year the Chargers were going to nail down the number two seed, and this is their chance. Most people didn't expect much from Kansas City heading into the year, mostly because of questions surrounding second-year quarterback and first-year starter Patrick Mahomes. A lot of people, including me, thought there would be at least some growing pains with Patrick Mahomes, but it's turned out to be the exact opposite. Patrick Mahomes is setting the NFL world on fire right now with 4,300 yards passing, 43 touchdowns to go along with 11 interceptions. That's good for a rating of 115 for the season. It's totally insane. It's an insane number for any quarterback, let alone a first-year starter. At midseason, I thought Patrick Mahomes was going to cool off a bit, and he just hasn't. It's about that time that I swallow my pride and admit He's the MVP of the 28 season, uh, 2018 season, and the only one close is Drew Brees. As far as this game goes, it doesn't seem smart to bet against a team that's undefeated at home. But there is a lot to like about the LA Chargers in this high-stakes affair. And unlike the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chargers are a balanced team. They have a great offense to go along with a great defense. If the Chargers' defense can slow down Patrick Mahomes just a little bit, I think Phillip Rivers can take advantage of the mismatch, silence the Kansas City crowd, and light up the Kansas City defense. The weather is key in this game, as they may be calling for rain. Last I checked, I don't know if it matters much to me, but the Chargers, even if Melvin Gordon doesn't suit up, 
they have the ability to take advantage of the Chiefs' 25th ranked run defense. So expect a close game, and I may be wrong on this, but I'm going to go with my gut and the bias. Chargers win 27-23. On to Sunday, one of the key early games to watch is the interconference battle between the Cowboys and the Colts in Indianapolis. The Cowboys are riding a five-game winning streak, and as I've mentioned before, Amari Cooper has ignited this Cowboys team since being traded six weeks ago. The Colts, on the other hand, are winners of six of their last seven, and they're hoping to get another one up on Houston. Even after defeating the Texans last week, the Colts still sit two games behind for the division title. The Colts can only worry about what they have to do, and what they have to do is keep winning games. And that starts on defense. The Colts are going to have to contain Ezekiel Elliott. If they can do that, I think they'll win this ballgame. Dallas is a different team on the road, boasting a 2-4 and four record. On offense, Andrew Luck, he's been playing out of his mind the last few weeks, completing 78% of his passes. He'll have to do more of the same against the ninth-ranked Cowboys pass defense. Dallas can essentially lock up the NFC East with a win here, while Indy, again, is likely playing for a wild-card spot pretty even matchup and I'll go ahead and call it a toss-up. And how do I pick toss-ups? Of course, I go with the home team. Give me an Indianapolis, but stay away from betting this game. Final score, Colts 24, Dallas 21. At 425 Eastern Sunday, AFC Showdown featuring the AFC North leading Pittsburgh Steelers against the AFC East leading New England Patriots. The Patriots are coming off that heartbreaking loss in Miami. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh's looking to get back on track after losing three in a row. This is a huge game for both squads as the Ravens, who are just a half a game behind the Steelers, the Ravens should win their game against Tampa Sunday afternoon. And that's going to put the pressure on the Steelers because if they lose Sunday, the Ravens will lead the AFC North heading into Week 16. The Patriots are 9-4, and four, two games ahead of Miami. It's going to take a meltdown of which we've never seen out of the Patriots in the Brady-Belichick era for them to lose the AFC East. But they currently have the tiebreaker over the 9-4 Texans. So they've got the Texans breathing down their neck for the number two seed and the all-important first round bye. The Texans take on the Jets Sunday in a matchup that Houston should win. So this Patriots-Steelers game will have massive playoff implications. The Patriots have have a ridiculous record of 54-10 and 10 during the month of December since the beginning of the Brady-Belichick era. In that same era, since 2001, and this is the stat that gets me. The Steelers are 2-7 and seven at home against the Patriots. Combine those two stats and what do you see? The Patriots are coming off a rare December loss, going to a place where Brady and Belichick have dominated the last 17 years. Not to mention, how can you trust the Steelers' roller coaster season? I don't know if you can. I can't. Give me the Patriots to bounce back like they always do. Final score prediction, Patriots 27, Steelers 20. Uh, what do we got Sunday night here? Uh, the Eagles and the Rams. This one's a no-brainer. Nick Foles steps in at quarterback for the Eagles, and that is not good news for Philly fans. Yes, I understand Nick Foles was the Super Bowl MVP last season, But that was a magical year for the Philadelphia Eagles. This year, not so much. The Rams are going to be pissed after what happened to them on Sunday, and they're going to take it out on the Eagles in dominating fashion by a score of 41-13. On to Monday Night Football. Now, I'm zipping through these because, again, I got to get this out prior to kickoff Thursday night. But Monday night, Saints at the Panthers. 
I'm begging for somebody to give me a reason to pick Carolina. It's a classic trap game for New Orleans, and the Panthers are not nearly as bad as their five-game losing streak would suggest. The Saints had a 10-game winning streak snapped against the Cowboys two weeks ago. They came back Sunday with a victory over Tampa Bay. That was, of course, after an ugly first half by New Orleans. You know, all signs, stats, and trends point to New Orleans squeaking out a victory here. And I think that's exactly why I'm going to go with Carolina. In a division game that's as desperate for Carolina's wildcard hopes as it is for New Orleans' number one seed hopes, I don't trust the unanimous pick being the Saints. I just don't. And that's why the Panthers are going to win 28-27. to And that is a wrap on this week's episode of Join My League. I will have an episode out next week. I'm going to miss the following week as I'll be home for Christmas. And I intend returning the week of New Year's just in time for the wildcard playoff game. So I'll see you then. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. And remember to enjoy the games, dominate your fantasy football playoffs, and have a fantastic weekend.
wish you could just shut your big yapper!